Welcome to Groove Therapy, the premier podcast exploring the intersection between live music and health and wellness with experts Dr. Leah Taylor and Tara Lee Weathers. In this podcast, you will learn how live music positively affects well-being through a combination of scientific research and personal experience from your hosts, favorite musicians, industry professionals, and fans like you. Also included are strategies to incorporate the benefits of live music into your everyday life. I'm Tara Lee, and I am so excited for you all to get to know our next guest. And our next guest is Karen, the dancing lady. You may know her from her amazing dancing videos on Instagram, or if you live in the Portland, Oregon area, maybe you have seen her dancing around at her show or at the grocery store or on the street or pretty much anywhere that is on planet Earth. (laughs) You have probably seen her dancing. Also, she has done an amazing TED Talk called How to Connect with Anyone. And I'm really excited for you to hear all of her amazing nuggets of wisdom and inspiration on all of those subjects on how to dance everywhere and how to connect with anyone and how to... Tend vibes. She's also about to be a vibe tender. I mean, she is a vibe tender, but also Mm -hmm. about to be known as a vibe tender for some music venues. So you'll be able to see her there too. Yay. Yes. And so before we dive into that interview, let's just take a moment to arrive in the here and now and get really present so this episode can be even more powerful and you absorb all of this magic. So close your eyes if that is available to you. And if not, please keep your eyes open. And we'll take three deep breaths together. So take a deep breath in through your nose. Exhale out your mouth. A deep breath in through your nose. Exhale out your mouth. And a deep breath in through your nose. And exhale out your mouth. And may our time together be full of magic and inspiration. And so it is. So it is. (laughs) Yay. Well, I, of course, love this conversation because I'm passionate about all of these things. And it's just so fun. I mean, like, it's interesting to me how just talking about these experiences of dancing to music and tending to vibes and really you know, consciously elevating our own vibe to help inspire others to elevate theirs makes me feel good inside. Like my vibe gets elevated just talking about it. I know. I'm like so exhausted today. I was on Haley Uh Jane tour with her for like 10 days or something like that. I went to bed at like three in the morning last night and I feel so much better than (laughs) I did before just because of this conversation that we had that you are all about to get to witness yourself. Yeah, that reminds me of yesterday. So I teach chronic pain patients how to manage their pain and their anxiety and their stress and their depression without the use of medication. And so I taught them, I subbed for the yoga class and I taught movement. And we just did like a 10 minute movement practice that kind of incorporates some embodied groove principles where just like warming up the 13 major joints and moving in a pleasurable way in your body. And 
over half the class reported because then I had them talk about what it was like for them and bring some body awareness in. And over half the class reported that before that, it was like three o'clock in the afternoon, their last class of the day. They've been on Zoom since 10 o'clock in the morning. They were all ready to take a nap, were exhausted. And over half of them now reported that they were energized and they didn't need to take a a nap anymore. And I was just like, notice that because it was only 10 minutes of moving freely in your body. You know, I'm not like teaching them any fancy dance steps or anything like that. It was literally just encouraging them to move in ways, you know, moving. I was leading them through specific body parts, but encouraging them to move in ways that just feels good to them. And I loved that. So it's definitely energizing. And and hopefully you all will notice a little uptake in your energy from just listening to this episode. Yes. And so we will be right back with this episode because I cannot wait to energize you all. And we're back and we have Karen with us. Hey, Karen, the dancing lady. Happy day. Happy day. I love... So everyone out there, Karen starts every conversation and probably ends every conversation with happy day, happy day, just as she did right now. And that is just like... Whenever I hear that, no matter how I'm feeling, it just makes me feel better, even if I'm not having a happy day. So what is like... I guess I'm just curious of when did that start? When did you start doing that? Yeah, I started doing it when I worked in, I was a barista. And that whole idea of like, you have people coming through really quick. And all of the things that we usually say to people are too much for those really quick kind of things. And I got to the point where I was like, I don't want to ask people how they are. We don't have time for, you know, all of that. But I want to really connect with people. What do I want to say? And then I thought, I, what do I want to tell them? I just want to tell them happy day. <laughs> so it just kind of became that. It was easy to just say, happy day, happy day. It's, you know, it's an invitation. It's an, it's a statement. It's a blessing. It's a, it's a whole bunch of things. So that's where it started. And then it just became the thing on the trail. Everybody that I pass anywhere, like happy day. day. (laughs) Yes. So for those of you that don't know, you work, what mountain do you work at? Um, Mount Hood. Yeah. And so you're like, when they get on the lifts, you are the face that they see. And like, you told me you play music, like specifically curated music, tell everyone happy day. And just tell me a little bit about that and how that's changed the experience of even just like a skier who is there just to go down a mountain and how it's different because you're there. Yeah. So I am the one that is at the lift that's at the main, like the main lift that takes you up the mountain that then you can go everywhere. So it's always a long line and I run the line and I have a speaker and I play all, you know, music that's really just going to give you a groove, but also have a little message, that little happy day kind of message. And then I just dance and I just bring that that energy to people. But it's in, again, in that really fast environment where people are coming through and you don't really talk to them because you don't have time. Like, you know, and you're all behind all your goggles and your helmets and all that stuff. And for me, it helps me because it enables me to just really be that, like who I am. I feel like that's my, my role is to be that for people, to be love and light in the most basic things. But what happens for people is it's just that super positive energy 
that they can count on. So somebody once told me, she said, I could be across the mountain and I'd be really struggling and something's not going right. And I just know that all I have to do is get my way across the mountain to your lift and I can see you and I come in and there you are. And then I'm like, okay, it's all good, right? It's just kind of that thing that you need to see that helps you see that it's really okay. Even in the, even when it's tough, it's still okay. We got this. Yeah, that's so lovely. And it definitely is very aligned with what you're saying you're so passionate about, which is vibe tending. I mean, you're tending the vibes wherever you go. I'm curious. I mean, I'd love to hear more about that and your passion for that. But also like, how do you keep your vibes high so that you can kind of like be this beacon of love and light for everybody else? Well, I I did a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. I like I spent a lot of years really on a pretty powerful healing journey and then continue to do that. And I I think that it's twofold, like that job and even like the job as a barista, it absolutely fuels me. Like I'm a better person when I'm doing that job. I'm a better person when I'm able to be myself in that service and be that. So that feeds that. And then I do, I have some pretty good like morning practices to help me center on my body and my spirit, my mind, like all together. Like today we're going to do this day and that's super helpful for me. And music, like I, I always have music. Can you share a little bit about your morning practices for people that might be curious, like what works for you? Yeah. So my morning practice is pretty unique to me because I I just took pieces of a lot of things that people had taught me, some Qigong, some, you know, just basic movement. I just designed it for myself, which is I do a go around the poles. I start in the South and then I go to the West and to the North and finish in the East because I'm on the West Coast. So, and I try to do it at sunrise. And so it's uh, in the South, it's recognizing my light and that I am light, and that in the West, it's about play, and that anything that happens to me in this day that I can play with, that I can be playful with, even if it's hard, that in the North, it's about my being powerful and recognizing that I'm as powerful as I need to be to do anything in this day. And then the East is sort of the where you take your wings and just fly with the day, like, and try to think about what my day has. If I have a meeting, if I have whatever I have in the day, what does that look like with taking into those components, the light, the power, the the play, like, okay. And all the time in movement and not any kind of normal, you know, just whatever my body wants to do. And sometimes that's a little calisthenics kind of things where I feel like I need to limber up, but the whole intention is to open my body up and connect my body to my spirit and to my mind. And I go out to the day fully embodied. I think that would be the the word. And starting with that light, which is really the love, like that where you're like center yourself on that. Because I feel that we do that a lot. It's easy to talk about being love and being light. It's so much harder to go out and do it in the world, at the grocery store, anywhere stay in that open receptive state of like, here I am and move with that same intention. Um, That's my morning practice. Awesome. I love that. Yeah, me too. 
and it works for me because it's mine. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, and I tell people that, that like it, I was like, it doesn't have to be like light, play, power, whatever. Like, you know, use whatever it is that works for you. What do you need to hear? What do you need to feed yourself with? Those are the things that feed me and keep me. But if I were a thinker person, you know, that that was my thing, maybe one of those things would really be about centering myself on that, you know, I am in control of my thoughts or the being open to all possibility or whatever. I think that's the key is just making it our own, what we need to hear, what we need to experience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I love how integrated it is in mind, body and spirit. Yeah. Awesome. Well, share a little bit about how you got passionate about vibe tending and what you consider that to be and how how you're sharing that with the world. It's a relatively new thing where I just recognized that I travel solo most of the time. And so I go to shows solo it enables me to be a little more like out and about and movement because I'm not tied to being with someone. And so what I recognize is when I do that and when I'm places that people respond to that. So it used to be where like I would go and dance and I would just be in my own space and it would all be about me, right? And it would be about me experiencing the music, me feeding what I needed to feed in myself the, all of the healing journey that music takes us on. But when I would come out, when I would then stop and people would come up to me and want to talk about how do you do that? Whether it's how do you spin like that and not get dizzy? How do you just do it full on, like no holds barred? Somebody said last night, he says, man, you're just getting down harder than anyone else. <laughs> and I was like, yep. <laughs> and then recognizing that wow, that that is this role that I play in being that for people, like giving them permission to be all that they are. Because when they see someone else doing that, that allows them to be that. And that's where I see that that vibe tending. It's not about like setting a vibe that somebody needs to be. It's about being my own vibe and in that positive bringing all the love into it and being, you know, embodying that and setting that as a container and allowing people to walk into it in their own. And then we learn how to groove together. And so I just see that and I'm a hospitality professional. That's been my career is been in hospitality. So there's that piece of it too, that I really believe in gatherings that every gathering that we have as humans is a powerful opportunity to become better humans, to make the world a better place. If our play is really, like play is great and all of that is great, but if it's really just for play, maybe isn't that a little gluttonous, you know? Like, but if our play and of our all that exuberance, like, you know, festivals and music helps us become a better person, a better human and helps us, change the world for the better. That's where I see in that gathering that we can take that. It's not just like here, we're just doing this and we just go, right? We just go get get down and then like turn around and go back to your day that we can take that. And so I want to do that. I want to be able to be that piece where you remind people 
that we're here and this can be more than just getting down. <laughs> yeah, this it, this is just bringing up our our episode before you with Jason Hahn and he was talking about in different tribes there's like people that are deemed mentally ill or even physically ill and what we would call insane and that it just was that their vibe was off from the tribe and that there was nothing to change. Like it wasn't about trying to bring their vibe up to your vibe, but it was like, how can we all vibe together? And so like, it sounds like what you're doing, you're like a medicine woman, like showing up to these music venues and really being a catalyst in bringing everybody's vibes together. Yeah, definitely. And I see it as a piece that is like venues. This is what I think, you know, music venues should have a vibe tender, right? And that, and to me, the vibe tender is somebody that greets people when they come in and is just the one that's there to like give it that container of it's okay to come into this space and be who you are and learn how to groove with each other. Because in any given time, wherever we are, even with music, like you have similarities, but we're all different too. And we're all doing different things in the world. So when we learn how to dance together and groove together in that setting, then maybe we can start learning how to do that in our companies and in our, you know, organizations that we're part of and like learning how to do that in the world. Because I see that as kind of being one of the, one of our challenges is how do we recognize our differences and still be able to come into that as our own, but be able to groove together. Yeah. You should check out my embodied groove classes. They're very much exactly what you're talking about design for that reason, to help give people permission to move in big and small ways, to get everybody connected together. Because when we can move together in a shared space, potentially kind of blur the lines between our physicality and the other person that creates so much compassion with other people. And then we, you know, we're more altruistic. We are more compassionate. And I was just reading, well, actually I found out about it on a a new podcast that I've been listening to called Life is a Festival. I highly recommend. So good. So good. Thank you for turning me on to that. Yeah. So you listened to the episode that I sent to you. Yeah. There's a woman that just put out her research that she's been doing for the last six years on mass gatherings, i.e. festivals. (laughs) She focused on, or they focused on like, I think five of them. This particular episode was really focused on Burning Man because the host of Life is a Festival is a burner and actually so is a researcher. So And Burning Man was about to happen. But it was really interesting talking. And Burning Man is a, what would you call it? Like it's a, a trade economy. It's not a money economy. Yeah. It's not even trade. It's actually just gifting. So there's no, like you, you're not expecting. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So that was really interesting because not all of the festivals, the mass gatherings that she looked at were set up in that way. And so that just kind of brings another whole element into it, but it's, I love, love, love so much that people are really looking at this experience as not only like, how can we have a good time and let loose and, you know, shake off the week or, you know, the day or whatever, but like, actually, how can we use it as healing for the whole planet? Because, I mean, I think we're all speaking the same language here that the potential is there. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I helped produce a dance in Port... I live in the Portland, Oregon metropolitan area. 
And it was a dance started by a group of people in the pandemic that was all about, they got to this point, they were like, okay, this is not ending. And, you know, it was summer. Everybody's in their houses thinking, what do we do? And they said, we're going to go dance and we're going to go to the park and we're going to dance. And every Wednesday, we're going to watch the sunset and we're going to dance. And they started doing that. And they started doing it every Wednesday. And like at the late summer of 2020. And by that spring of 2021, that's when I kind of connected in with them. It was at that point, it was maybe like 50 people that were, you know, started out with five people. And now every Wednesday, it's like 50 people that are dancing in this park, watching the sunset. And then it turned into like uh, in the summer, there could be a thousand people dancing at this dance. But it really is, for me, the most powerful experience because I call it my dancing with humanity. There's a different thing when I go to, when I say like my hip, the hippie shows and you're dancing with all your hippie friends, you're kind of in your tribe, so to speak. And there's that safety in that. But you go to this and it is literally like dancing with humanity, all shapes, all sizes, all ages, all like all, you know, well, in Portland is, you know, as many colors as you can, (laughs) as you have, right? It's super powerful. It's super powerful for everyone. And we just bill it as that. Like we just come here every week to dance together. And as we can dance together, then we can start learning how to live together. And it's a, it's super powerful. That's so cool. And so what is that called again for anybody in the Portland area that might not know about it? Yeah, it's called Tabor Dance. Tabor Dance. Yeah. So it's on Mount Tabor, which is an extinct volcano. And it, yeah, so it's got that, you know, and and you're overlooking the city, the lights of the city with the sunset. It's really, it's really magical. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. And we dance all year, weather permitting, like we're there. So cool. It's wonderful. Yeah. You bring in the the nature element too, which can be so healing as well. Yeah. yeah. What it sounds like, Leah, you know, my one of my favorite things that you've ever taught me. I mean, you taught me so many things, but the self-other merging, it sounds like that is completely what is happening there. Where the line between where you end and someone else begins gets blurred and you're all one. And so you're super compassionate with each other because you are all connected. I hope I'm, I'm explaining this correctly. Yeah. I am. Okay. Yay. So it sounds like that's what's happening in this. So it is, it's like, when we are in the our like hippie shows, there is this like safety in that. But this is just like everyone and then you're all combining into one. And so you, you could see how that would be such a healing thing for the world if we could all just get like the world leaders to just like dance together <laughs> to some music. <laughs> like what a difference that would make. And to come as yourself, really, to be okay with coming as yourself and recognizing that. I think that that's what makes it beautiful is then, yeah, again, those lines, it's like you, I am you. And even though you've got elf ears on, right? And that's, that's awesome, right? And that, that it's just so powerful to be able to do that. And then that helps me. That's one of those things I think that helps me then go out in the world and not be, and to see everyone as that, as the people that I dance with. Like, that's just another person I could be dancing with. If, whether you're at the grocery store or like driving down the road or anywhere seeing that, being able to see people completely the more we dance together. Lovely. 
Well, and Karen, you do a lot of dancing on Instagram. So please do tell us more about that. How were you inspired to do that? And what does that mean to you? What does that mean to other people? Yeah, it's what I've heard from other people is it's a bright spot in their day. And most of my Instagram is people that have seen me in the world like live. (laughs) And then, although there have been some where people are like, you really need to follow this lady. Yeah, I've sent a lot of people your way for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you want to put a smile on your face for the day? You need to follow Karen, the dancing lady. But I struggle with it because the dancing part of it was like putting that on there was really not me. That was one of my young friends. He's like, we're going to do this. And you're going to post a dancing video every week. And then you're just going to do that. But then it would be that I realized I'm not a creator in that sense. Like I just did a sunrise hike and my friend that I was with, he's like, Karen, this is a perfect opportunity for you to do a beautiful video up here and dance. And I was like, yeah, but it's just, I want to be up here and just be on the mountain, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I want to dance and not because you're filming me, right? So that that idea of having somebody film you to dance, I'm kind of trying to break that because I realize that people really do like it. And I'm just trying to do my most authentic self, whatever that looks like. <laughs> yeah. So separating it from being like a performance for other people and still have an element of like, the aliveness and love and light coming from inside of you because it lights you up so much when it also inspires other people. Yeah. And that it's interesting that you say that about the performance piece because I think that, that it is an evolution happening. Because it really when I really started dancing again, which was really only probably five, six years ago, that at that point, like I was just in my world 100%, I would come by myself, I would dance and I would leave. And I never really talked to people. I just did my thing. I just danced. And then it kind of started to be where I was about and about and people would start to talk to me. But I recognized, but a lot of people would come up and say how much that affected them. Mostly women. Uh, you know, a lot of women would say, I, I want to be you. I want to be as happy as you are when I'm your age. And it was like, well, you could be that now. Like, you don't have to wait. You can just do that now and you just be you. And that's all that matters. You don't have to be me. In fact, you shouldn't be me. But recognizing that that was a gift that I had was in my dance because I never saw myself as a dancer. Like, I don't really think I have like moves. And so... Well, you got moves. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now I'm kind of recognizing that, but, and that the performance piece and like leaning into that and saying, no, you're, it's not like it was trying to drop out of the ego of here I am, (laughs) right? And knowing that it's a gift that I'm giving people to allow them to see that again, the performance. In fact, I just got my first performance tip. Yeah. (laughs) And it was in the Seattle airport. And I had a long, long layover, which is crazy because I only live three hours from Seattle and I had literally an eight-hour layover in Seattle airport on my way here. And I was charging my phone and I was just standing there and I was dancing, really just kind of like doing my thing while my phone was charging. And then I got done and I packed all up, get my stuff and I was going to move on. And this this elderly gentleman came up and, and he handed me a $1 bill and he said, that was worth 
far more than this $1. And thank you so much. That offered me so much joy to just watch you dance. Really, thank you for that. And I was like, oh, so I'm going to like, that's going to be my like, I'm going to take that $1 and I'm going to frame it. Yeah, because it was really a sweet realizing that it is a gift, you know, in that performance, leaning into that and saying, why not? I did it today out here in, in Burlington on that, the pedestrian street, like what the perfect dance way, right? And to just not be afraid to, you can dance anywhere. And so why not dance right here and have people as they're shopping walk by like, wow, that lady's just dancing. And doesn't that look free? And all of it. Yeah. Yeah. My humble offering. (laughs) (laughs) I always like to say, when you can find freedom on the dance floor, you can find freedom in your life. And, you know, it's like, it's interesting because the same interview that I was just talking about with that researcher, she was describing her experience of like having music on, on the street and starting to dance. But then there was like this part of her that came up that said, should I be doing that? Like, what are people going to think about me dancing on the street? And it's like, oh my gosh, like it kind of hurts my heart that we have those restrictions. And I know this for myself. I mean, I certainly went through this evolution myself too, where it's like, you know, what am I supposed to be doing in this environment? What's right? What's wrong? What's, you know, what society's norms and rules, but like, oh my gosh, when we can break free of that, on the dance floors where I found it and maybe where you found it too. And then, but then to carry that out into our larger lives to say, who says we can't dance on the street? Like, let's do this and, and be able to find that joy and happiness anywhere, not just in specific places, you know, where it's acceptable. (laughs) Yeah. Like you, you can bike and skateboard and run and like you see people doing all those things all the time. Yeah. You rarely see people dancing in public other than like a specific, here's the music. And what I don't get sometimes is the dance floor, like at a wedding, you know, they have the, the, they'll have that parquet dance floor that they'll put out or whatever, some kind of thing. And there's the edge and everybody will be crammed on that thing. You won't even be able to move. (laughs) But it's like, literally I'll be like, people like right here on the grass next to it. You can dance right there too. Yeah, you can too. Yeah, that's so funny. That is so true. (laughs) Like this, this is a safe space to dance and this is not like who decided that? Who decided that we can't dance in the street or we can't dance here? We can only dance at these specific dance places. That's so crazy. It's like set break. <laughs> uh, like set break is like my favorite sound check and set break or some of my favorite times because the dance floor is empty and I can just literally still music play and it might not <laughs> right. be live music but there's still music on and I then you can have the whole dance floor to you know to kind of really play and explore and uh and have a lot of fun with <laughs> that's like what you just described as such a great image for the boxes that we put ourselves in. Like yeah. literally we're standing in this box and we can't go outside of it. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah, we have to be somebody else when we step outside that box. Exactly. Yeah. But no, you don't. You could be you in all the places. Yeah, I want to share with you, this came up when you just said that is... uh This was a pandemic start for me was this recognition that I didn't have community in my, at my home. And so trying to get in touch with that. And I started this whole practice of dancing in the streets and, but it was an intentional practice of, I'm going to like set myself when I start and try to be in that open state of love 
because that movement allows us to move that energy out into the world. That's what I love about dancing is like you take all that love that you have and you get to like, I kind of like liken it like I'm, I'm the fairy dust. Like I'm always like sprinkling fairy dust on people like right as I'm moving because it's coming and the movement is allowing me to do that. So I start in that and then I just head out and I have a playlist that's really all about love and all about that. And then I just start dancing around my neighborhood and imagining the people behind the doors, behind them, like blessing them and being there and just doing it. And then, so it's physically a practice of dancing. It's spiritually a practice of being in that state of love and moving in the world. And then it's the mental practice of not letting my brain go to that like, oh, that car just went by and what are they thinking? That why that lady's dancing in the street. Nobody's dancing in the street. And I was like working through those mental, like, stop telling your right? Stop telling those stories. Say, well, then he's just gonna say, Wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because we have no idea what they're thinking in their cars. Yeah, so why not think that they're thinking great things? Exactly. Like, oh, that just made my day. And even if they do think that you're crazy dancing in the street, who cares? (laughs) Right, exactly. So that became that practice where I could break down those stories and let them go so that they don't come up when you're moving in the world. Like the more that you do it, the easier it becomes to be wherever and be okay with the person that looks at like, not making eye contact with a lady that is dancing in the, you know, square here. Like don't make eye contact with her. And where I used to be like, feel bad about that. Now I'm just like, Oh, you know, that's okay. (laughs) Like, it's all right. If you can't see me right now, that's all right. I see you. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great tip of how to get more comfortable doing it is to just do it (laughs) and to work, work with the, you know, negative self-talk that comes up in our brains because that's going to happen. That's totally normal. And it is unfortunate. I feel like when we see somebody like dancing really inspired on the street, the first thing that could come to somebody's mind is like, what are they on? You know, like they must be on People ask me what I'm on all the time. (sighs) I'm like yeah. yoga and <laughs> good vibes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm on live music. Yeah. People ask me, where do you get all that energy? And I was like, it's just joy, right? It's just joy. Yeah. Because <laughs> it feeds us. It's like that renewing yeah. emotion that charges our batteries. I was just talking to my patients about that this morning. It's like there are emotions that deplete us and there are emotions that renew us. And yeah, how to focus on the ones that that charge our batteries. Karen, you mentioned a little bit back about how you started dancing again about five years ago. And I'm just curious what your journey was like. And I mean, I don't know if you want to get into the reason why you weren't dancing, but I'd love to know like what live music and dance has meant to you in your life. How has it affected your life and made you into the person that you are today? Well, live music when I was young like literally, you know, and I think a lot of people say this, particularly with like the Grateful Dead, that scene, like saved my life. You know, really like was the thing that I needed in that, in that time. And I had a lot of healing to do and 
like it just it was something absolutely unforeign to me that I could go to this place and nobody knew my name. They don't care what your name is. They don't care what you drive. They don't care, you know, all those things where I was really struggling with what life looked like and what my place was in life. And then I literally could just dance and I'd say like, I never knew what was like, I, I didn't even know what songs were playing for the most part. Like literally I just went into another world of, of dancing and it really healed me. And then of course that ended when Jerry died and it just so, co- in fact, I'd just gotten married. So we had just gotten back from our honeymoon when Jerry died. So it was this really, for me, this really weird kind of going from, well, okay, and now I'm married. And so, and now life begins because I had bought that whole, that whole idea that this is what life is. This is what you do. You go to college, you do this, you get married, you have kids, you work really hard, you retire, you know, all of that. And so I was just doing what you were supposed to do. So I'm married now and that's probably not what you do. <laughs> in the world that I came from. You don't go to shows and, and do that. So I kind of let that fall away for really many, many, many years. And music was a part of my life, but not to that extent. I opened a restaurant in 2007. So right before the economy kind of really tanked. And so it was a struggle for quite a few years. And when it came crashing down, I really took that opportunity to just that I knew I needed some major healing to do. And I started this whole healing journey. And that's where I started working as a barista and realizing that that was feeding me, that ability to connect with people and see them and be that for people. Like the one that, 5.30 in the morning that's handing you your cup of coffee and loving you at the same time. And it's like, yeah, happy day, right? And how powerful that was for people. And so that all kind of started. And then I can't even remember how it came about, but there's a, in Portland, there's this awesome cover, Grateful Dead. I don't even want to call it a cover, but they play Grateful Dead, but they, you know, they do it their own way. And it was like on a Tuesday night and it was free. And it was literally like, close to my house at this venue I absolutely adore. And I was like, why don't I go check that out? It was like, wow, I wonder what that would be like. And it was mind blowing. <laughs> like it was like, oh my gosh, all this, I forgot that it was there. I literally forgot that it was accessible. And so I just started, and luckily these people played, this was pre-pandemic, they played all the time. Like they would do like these seven night runs at these little venues and a lot of them were free. And I just literally started dancing. And my first music festival was String Summit in Northwest String Summit in 2019. When I tell people that now, that know me now, and that like, I think they think I've been going to festivals for like, like as long as I'm alive. Some, you know, when I'm on the mountain, some guy says, I think you went to Woodstock and never came, never left. Uh-huh. You know, like there's this, you know, when you see like, there's this image of what, what I am to people that is really not my journey at all. My journey has been really relatively new in that, but it was like, I found the thing that I'm meant to do. So it feeds me completely. And it also offers me the ability to give myself the gift of myself to others. Just like handing that cup of coffee, like going to a show isn't good for me. It's also good for whoever's there. (laughs) I have a young friend that said, 
recently to me. He says, I know I've told you this before, Karen, but I'm going to tell you. He's like, when I am somewhere and I see you, I know I'm in the right place. It's like, I see you. And then I'm like, I'm where I'm supposed to be. And he's like, and I can't tell you how that, how much that means to me. And so I'm like, well, that's good. You know, that means I'm doing my, I'm doing my thing. I'm doing my job. I'm filling my role. Yeah. Yeah. You're so service oriented and service driven. And I love that you can also receive from that too. That's so beautiful. How often do you go to shows? Oh, a couple times a week, at least. (laughs) 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 And that's in Portland too, where really between the Tabor dance I do on Wednesday Mm -hmm. and usually three, four (laughs) times a week. You're like three, four, five, six, maybe seven. (laughs) (laughs) Right? If, if somebody's playing, like, yeah, I have learned to to not push it though, to know when I need to rest. Sometimes it's my feet. You know, I'm not, um, I think I'm 20, <laughs> but my body tells me I'm not 20. And so I realize I have to take care of myself in that regard. And sometimes be okay with, to being in the gentle, being okay with going and not having it, this big explosive get down that I just allow myself to be whatever I want to be. It usually ends up that's what happens because the music starts and I remember, but there are times where I just recently will stop. And I had a festival recently where on Sunday, I just, I stayed in a chair and I just moved my hand. Like I literally like laid down and I literally just did the like danced with my hands and recognized that that was beautiful in itself too. And somebody, another young friend said, that was really nice to see you not moving. Like, cause you're always moving. And it was nice to see you not moving. I was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that gives people permission to do that too. Yeah, whatever, you know, listening to our, what our body's telling us, what our soul's telling us and allowing that to lead us. I think that's the big thing with all of us is learning and not hear all the societal things that we're all programmed, breaking those down. It's a complex thing life is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. You have so much. So I know that this could be like all day, but what is like one golden nugget that you would like to share? Well, I'll share this because it's it's the here and now. Yeah. It's kind of what has been coming up in the in the recent is when I realize, particularly like when you go to a show and I'll see people and I can see how constrained they are, right? Particularly when they see me and they're like, oh, and you can see they want to do it. They want to be like, they want to like do all that and they just don't know how. And it's that my little bit is like, how much fun did you come here to have tonight? Like, did you come here to have fun? Let yourself do that. Let yourself have fun. Because when you do that, when you give yourself permission to do that, and like you feel like, what does it look like? You just go a little like, do, 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 do. like, what does having fun for you look like? And for some people, and that looks different for everyone. But I think that that's the giving yourself like, let's just have some fun with this and see what that looks like. Yeah, I love that. It's like reminding them of their why for being there and then giving them permission to fully embody that. Yeah, yeah, go do it. Yeah, (laughs) Shine bright, shine bright, bright as the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Ah, 
Yay. Well, thank you so much, Karen. It's been lovely. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, it was lovely chatting with you. Yeah. Mm, Yeah, this was amazing. Hope to see you in person someday. Do you ever come down to the Bay Area and do some dancing down there? I haven't for a while, but I've got some on my wish list. There's a band that I just came in contact with recently that's out of Santa Cruz. And I'd love to come down and support them a little bit. Super Bloom, check them out. They're really unique. And I like, they've got their sound and it's beautiful and it's fun. And they're just, yeah, beautiful humans. Mm, nice. I'd recommend it. Super Bloom. Okay. I'll have uh, to check that out. I know. I hope to see you soon in real life too. <laughs> Me? <laughs> Well, you, well, you too. But I was like making a joke because I know the listeners can't tell, but Karen and I are in my house, just in different rooms. <laughs> She's a little on a little East Coast vibe tending tour. Mm, nice. All right, Karen. Well, thank you so much again. And everybody will be right back. And we're back And I have to say, I am even more inspired than ever to show up in love and light and just be my free, authentic self, which definitely includes dancing. Yes, me too. Because I don't know, making people happy makes me feel really happy. And if I can like step outside the box and dance around and it allows other people to feel like it's okay to step out the box and dance around. And that just is like something that just fills up my cup and energizes me like nothing else. Yeah. And Karen is such a like expert at that. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I know it was such a joy and a pleasure to have her on the podcast. I'm glad that she came to visit you and that this worked out so easily. I know. <laughs> me too. It's, I love when it's easy. Yeah, totally. Yay. Well, I would love to bring in a little bit more information about the study that I was talking about in the interview for our... Did you know? So this research was done by Dr. Molly Crockett and her team at Yale. And I mentioned a couple of things a little got a couple of details wrong in the main interview. So the research actually spanned over five years and it incorporated six different sites, both in the US and in the UK. And what they were looking at is what is the effect of transformational experiences at secular multi-day mass gatherings, i.e. festivals. <laughs> so you can kind of equate festivals with secular multi-day mass gatherings. But what they did is they took data from participants before the show, during or before the festival, during the festival, zero to four weeks after and six months after. And that was to help, you know, kind of take a baseline at the beginning and then also see if these effects are actually lasting, which is really cool. So again, there was done at six field sites and over a five-year span of time. So what they found is that a couple of things were common and also increased over time. And those were specifically that they were characterized by feelings of universal connectedness and new perceptions of others. They also talk about this concept of the circle of moral regard, which to think about that. So like, let's say, so one of the sites was Burning Man, as I mentioned in the main interview, 
so the circle of connection at Burning Man are the people who go to Burning Man, right? Whether they're at Burning Man at the time that you're there or there are other burners. And so the thought is that, of course, you're going to feel more connected to those people because you're sharing a common experience. And I think we as live music fans and possibly the jam scene, if that's that's where you hang out as a listener, I know Tara Lee and I, that's where we hang out. That you know, it makes sense that we feel more connected to people who enjoy the same kind of experiences as ourselves. But what they're talking about with the circle of moral regard is that it actually extends outside of just those places. So not only do they feel more connected to the people who are experiencing the same things as themselves, they also feel more connected to society at large, which you know I think has we can see the potential benefits of that as we were talking about in this main interview, just how disconnected and isolated we feel and separate from each other. There's just been such a division and separatism, especially in our country over the last six years or however long it's been that, you know, if we can have these experiences on a large scale that can help people to feel more connected and have a higher moral regard for others, then that is something that we should absolutely be looking at. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And just again, to highlight the fact that this is not just found to be true at the time of the experience and not even zero to four weeks later, but also six months out. And that's as far as they looked. So who knows if those results will continue two years out or four years out. But right now they've just looked at six months out. So I think that's really encouraging that it could potentially last for who knows how long. Yeah, we got to get everybody into a live music experience (laughs) like that, like the communal experience. Because Mm -hmm. it really is a big part of changing the world and making a better place and having us all relate and connect with each other and understand each other. Yeah. And Molly in the interview was talking about how she sees these mass gatherings as like our current technology. How cool. I loved how she was speaking of it like that because we tend to think of technology as like isolating and, you know, keeping us being separate. But, you know, these technologies of see mass gatherings as such have been going on since the beginning of time. And so how can we put a little bit more focus and emphasis back to those to things that can actually heal not only individuals, but also societies? Yes, I love it. It's so important. Mm -hmm. So thank you, festival promoters. (laughs) Yeah. So if you want to check out more about that study specifically, you can go to crocketlab.org. Well, I'm excited to dive into that more. And everyone listening out there, if there's like anything in that research that stands out to you that you want to share with us, like please reach out either in our Facebook group, the Groove Therapy Podcast community or on Instagram at Groove Therapy Podcast. And now I'm going to talk about a way to put into practice what Karen talked about today in my part. Daily Jam. So I'm going to challenge you to step off the dance floor and the places where you think that you are only allowed to dance 
and step out of that box, out into the world and dance somewhere where you think that maybe it's inappropriate or you're not supposed to dance and see what happens. So some examples, you can dance at the grocery store, you can dance down the street, you can dance... I don't know, where else can people dance? Everywhere. You could dance in at the school. airport, like Karen did. Yes, yes. In the post office, at the DMV. <laughs> yes, such good examples. There are so many places where you think that you're not supposed to dance. So uh, your challenge is to dance in those places and see what happens. And if you want to, you can report back to us in those two places I talked about before, our Facebook group or on Instagram, and let us know. How it went for you. Did you survive dancing where you weren't supposed to dance? (laughs) We want to know. Yep. Great question. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that's all the things. I think we should let you get out to dancing wherever you want to. It will set you free to dance everywhere. Yeah. So I hope you have a great rest of your day dancing in all of the places. And we look forward to connecting with you and we love you. We do very much. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We so appreciate you. And if you did love this episode, we would love it so much if you could share it with at least one friend that you think might love it as well. So just send it over to them. Let them know what you loved about it. It could just be like, hey, check this out or one word about how it inspired you. Also, wherever you are listening to your podcast, if you could just click that follow button right there, that would be super awesome. That helps to let the platform know that this is a podcast worth listening to. And also, if you are listening on Apple Pod, if you could not only follow us, but also leave a rating or a review, it would mean so much to us. That, again, is how more people are going to be able to find out about this podcast and really start to open their mind about the intersection between health and wellness and live music and why this experience is so important for our health and our well-being and our longevity. So again, thank you so much for listening. We are a part of Osiris Pod. You can find many more inspiring arts and music podcasts at osirispod.com. And if you would like to follow me, Leah, or Tara Lee, you can find us on Instagram. Tara Lee is at Rocking Life with two underscores, and I am at Dr. Leah Taylor. So come follow us there. We love you so much, and thank you again for listening. 